We are absolutely stoked to be coming at you live here on one of the premier college radio stations in the nation. Wednesday, October 4th. Want to wish a happy birthday to my mom. It's her birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, mom. So sweet. Thanks for listening. Don't mention it, John. In with us today is my good friend, Daniel Wilson. What's up, Daniel? Uh, It's going good. Thanks for inviting me again, Benton. Ben? Uh, (laughs) I go by Benton as well. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Fall break has started. Uh, right, a, right. That midterm, I'm glad it's done. We are ready to go. What's on the docket for today's show, John? Well, the NBA preseason started, so we're certainly going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk some Panthers football for sure. Uh, some NFL. We're going to talk about the incredibly huge game tomorrow night against Louisville. Uh, blackout the Carter. It's a blackout Get hype. Uh, we'll talk about that. Men's and women's soccer for NC State. Going to talk about that some. Definitely some softball, maybe some golf. You know, all the non-revenue sports that you love and that you listen to us for. Packers Life Sports Show. Follow us on Twitter at Packers Life NCSU. We ha- we're going to start off with the question, our weekly trivia question. And John, this week that is? Our trivia question for this week who holds the NFL record for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback, and how many rushing touchdowns does he have? Ooh, so it's twofold. Okay, so you have yes, to get both. Yes, exactly. This, yeah. this shouldn't be that difficult for people. Shouldn't that, be that difficult. Uh, people in North Carolina probably can guess this one. Yeah, we don't um, make things too difficult. No, no. So no. to open the program. Like success. <laughs> I love success. Success <laughs> is amazing. To open the program today, we're going to talk about softball season has started for NC State. Mm-hmm. And the softball team traveled to Duke on Saturday afternoon for the first ever Duke Blue Devils softball game. They did not have a softball program there before this year. They do now. Uh, it was it was not good for them that we came in because NC State, of course, is amazing at everything, including softball. Of course, of course. So after uh, after six innings, after five innings, the Wolfpack trailed Duke uh, two to nothing, and uh, then the Pack's Cheyenne Balzer stepped up stepped up to the plate quite literally, and blasted a two-run home <laughs> run to tie the game in the sixth inning. Pack scored four more runs in the eighth, and then two more in the ninth, and they ended up beating Duke 8-3 to three to open the season for softball. Yeah, that just shows um, resiliency, uh, getting all those runs in the late innings, honestly. Um, I mean, I don't know how they handled the pitching, but, I mean, that's just shows that Duke might not be as deep in the bullpen as NC State might be. Mm-hmm. And that's why they might have scored early, but, I mean, our bullpen kept them strong. Yep, NC State mm-hmm. collected eight hits in the 10-inning contest as newcomers Angie Rizzi and Lily Bishop paced the team with tallying two apiece. Three members of the pitching staff, Devin Wallace, Brittany Nimmo, and Carmer Woodall, saw time in the circle as Woodall earned the win after giving up two hits and one run in three innings pitch. That's pretty solid, honestly, for college softball, which is actually a, a lot more high scoring than baseball. So giving up two runs in uh, three innings, pretty solid. Yeah, really around. solid defense. Yeah. The pack in softball is back in action on Friday against Wake Forest at 8 p.m. This is at Reynolds Coliseum. Oh, never mind. That's soccer. No, that's not soccer. That's yeah. volleyball. The pack is back in action on October 6th when it welcomes East Carolina to Dale Softball there you go, Stadium there you go. for a doubleheader. I just need to find myself there. That first pitch is slated for 5.30 p.m. So volleyball had the first RPI poll of the year. Uh, yeah, they were ranked number 37 in the first RPI poll of the year, which is basically what they used to um, like 
project the NCAA tournament field, mm-hmm. which means um, how many are in the NCAA tournament? In uh, volleyball? Six, Sixty-four, Six, just 64? like just like the basketball mm-hmm. March Madness. But um, yeah, ranked thirty-seven. That means we're definitely in consideration to make the tournament. I mean, we're undefeated right now in ACC play. Yeah, that's really awesome. After starting zero and five, and we followed them the entire way here on Packers Live Sports Show. They are 9-6 and six now, winning 9 out of their last 10 games with me doing some quick math by a chess major. So they held yeah. off Georgia Tech on the road to win 3-1, I'm seeing here. Yeah, that was a pretty close match, even though it was 3-1. I mean, the first two sets, uh, the Wolfpack won 25-23, which you have to win each set by two, so that's the minimum margin of scoring that you can have. Uh, and then they lost the third set, 18-25, but came back in the fourth, 25-20, um. Yeah, we played really solid. Julia Brown led the way, had 18 kills 18. all by herself. Wow. And then Bree Bailey had 15. Tenny Sopatan had 14. We have a really solid team this year, honestly. Yeah, nine out of the last 10. Uh, afterwards, we played Clemson, beat them 3-0, and we're 4-0 in the ACC. And uh, there was a school record set in that game. Yeah, um, we set a school record for blocks in a three-set match with... Uh, 14 and a half, which is impressive because the three set matches are obviously shorter, but that mm-hmm. means um, about a fifth of our points were coming off of blocks. That's pretty dominant defense. I usually watch volleyball around the Olympics, and that many blocks is, is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Notably, uh, Lauren Terry had six kills and 11 blocks in the match. So out of those. Just, just one player? Yes, just one player, Lauren Terry. So out of those. Um, 14 and a half, 11 were by Lauren Terry, and three were by Julia Brown. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty impressive. That is pretty, yeah, it's I really do say impressive. So myself. <laughs> and a quote here by Coach Hampton Keith is We don't have to take for granted how tough it is to go on the road in this conference and win, let alone get both wins in the weekend. So I'm really proud of this team and the composure and maturity they continue to show. I think we're really growing in our identity, and in any given match, anyone can step up and give the team what it needs to be successful. And that's exactly what the pack have been. Exactly. Yeah, we're back on a- back in action on Friday against Wake Forest at 8. Uh, that's a home game, Reynolds Coliseum. I know it's fall break, but if you're still on campus, come out and support. Um, Sunday as well. They play Duke at 4 again in Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Should be uh, some good matches. I mean, we're undefeated in the ACC. Uh, you know, they're going to try to keep that going. Let's go out and support them. Nine out of the last ten games they've won. I cannot yeah, emphasize that's a, that Yeah, that's a pretty good streak. And most of our losses, like we've covered on the show before, have been to pretty solid teams. Like yeah. Michigan was number 21 when they played them. Uh, Florida, Kansas, top ten teams. Mm-hmm. An Auburn, yeah. a tournament team. Yeah, so yeah and a small difference in those games. Yep, and uh, so we also have cross-country. Yeah, the men's and women's cross-country programs put solid performances together Friday afternoon at the Joe Pian Notre Dame Invitational. The Wolfpack women place third as a team in one of the deepest women's fields the sport has seen this year, while the men's team pulled off upset over two upsets over two nationally ranked programs. Yeah, we're number seven in the country right now, woo woo, and uh, we squared off against six other nationally ranked teams. Uh, yeah, we our women finished third with 118 total points. Um, Ellie Haynes was our top finisher. She crossed the line. Excuse me, crossed the line 13th with uh, a 5K time of 16 minutes, 42 seconds. Um, that's just ridiculous, in my opinion, honestly. I mean, I'm, I, not, I'm not a runner. So. I ran a little bit in high school, didn't even come close to that kind of time. I mean, obviously, they're number seven in the country. Uh, Rachel Kuhn finished 16th, Dominique Claremont 19th, Beth Tay 23rd, and Julia Zatgo 
at 47. For the top five uh, finishers for the women, the Wolfpack men entered the meet ranked 30th in the country and placed ninth overall as a team with a total of 208 points in the men's blue five-mile pack, outperformed number 11 Washington State and number 29 Eastern Michigan, who finished 11th and 12th at the meet, respectively. Yeah, our top five runners uh, finished over a span of just 23 seconds. Um, I mean, that's really consistent, honestly. And it shows... When you look at, um, they all finished within 23 seconds, but the places mm-hmm. are within 21 spots of each other. So that shows how competitive and tight that these races really are. Like Eli Moskovitz was uh, 26th, and Aubrey Meyer um, finished 57th. And yet they were only 23 seconds apart on a 6K run. That's just, um, oh wait, excuse me, um, that's, a, that's the 10K, I believe. Okay, yeah. well it was, a, yeah. it was a cross-country race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, but still, I mean, it shows how even in distance races like that, um, it's still so tightly packed how competitive it is. Yeah, Ellie Hearns was named ACC Haynes, Women's Ellie Haynes. Haynes. Yeah, oh, I saw an R that wasn't. It's there. okay. It's okay. Ellie <laughs> Haynes was named ACC Defensive. I mean, ACC Women's Performer of the Week, while Dominique Claremont and Joe Bistrich sweet, swept Freshman of the Week honors. Goodness gracious, English today! <laughs> wow. Yeah, um, our squads, they're splitting up for their next meets. Our men's and women's, they're going to different places. Uh, NC State's going to the Nutty Comb Wisconsin Invitational, and um, our women are going to the ECU Pirate Invitational. That's on Friday, October 13th. Nutty Comb Wisconsin? Nutty Comb Wisconsin. I mean, come on, Wisconsin? I know. I, if you had to... They have a town called La Crosse. I wouldn't expect anything less than Nutty Comb from Wisconsin. Man, some really creative people back when they were naming towns back in the day. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, men's golf captured the 2017 Wolfpack Intercollegiate uh, Tournament behind clutch play during the final three holes of their of the tournament. The win is the second consecutive tournament victory for the team. Yeah, uh, Coach Press McFall, he was quoted as saying, what we want to do is play 54 holes all the way to the finish. It's something we talk about. It's something the guys have said they want to do. Uh, the last three holes, when it was the tightest, they played some of their best golf of the day. And, I mean, in my opinion, that really shows when you're – it shows endurance and uh, mm-hmm. just a strong will finishing um, finishing around, especially like finishing a tournament on the last day of the tournament with some strong um, holes of golf. That's – yeah, I mean, that's what you need to do to win. Especially in a, in a game like golf, and golf's pretty unique that you do the same, I guess, competition over multiple days. Most other sports, you play a game, and then, like baseball, you play multiple games in a day, but it's a separate game. And so NC State and UNC Chapel Hill were tied after the first and second round, and Monday they remained close throughout the final round. The Tar Heels pull out an early lead and held through most of the day, but the pack combined to shoot four under par over the final three holes of the tournament, while UNC Chapel Hill three over par, and the Wolfpack overtook the Tar Heels beautiful, to win. Beautiful, that's that's awesome. I you mean, know that it, it's just it really emphasizes what these two schools do. You know, yeah, UNC just yeah. chokes in the moment, and uh, <laughs> I, I NC would, State comes through in the that. clutch. I wouldn't say that. Uh, golf is a game of inches, like it really is. Even though the course is, I mean, the holes can be like up to five hundred yards, but it really is a game of inches. So just a couple putts, a couple a couple um, bunker shots. You know, that could be the difference, but I mean, still, it shows like our program's resiliency. Even when we're down yeah. against a rival, we're still going to come back and beat them on and the golf golf course. is honestly one of the mentally toughest games that you can play just to be able to do that over. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you, 
you get your head wrong and all of a sudden you're a terrible golfer. Like that's probably never <laughs> happened to any really good golfers. So, the tournament scores for the uh, for the tournament for the yeah. men's golf. Stephen Franken finished first overall in the individual performances. He shot two hundred one on fifty four holes with a six under sixty six, seven under sixty five, and a two under seventy. That mm-hmm. is incredibly solid. Incredibly solid. Also shows like how good we are as a team because the last tournament when we won, Benjamin Ship was the guy that carried the ship, and we <laughs> we were able. I didn't plan that. We were able to pull it out, and so he finished 25th with shooting 218. Uh, Nolan Miles Jr. tied for 13 with a shot 215, and Easton Paxton tied for 31st, and Christian Salzer tied for for uh, 40th. Yeah, I mean, it's really looking at a team when you're pretty deep. You've got um, a bunch of guys who can go off any tournament, and it's like, hey, who's going to do that for us today? It's mm-hmm. not... There's no real uncertainty when it comes to um, all the players playing well. It's just a matter of who's going to be on this week, you know, who's going to be. I mean, and still, like, shooting 223 like Christian Salzer did, that's not bad. Not um, bad at all. Not bad at all. I mean, I think he was uh, seven over on the whole tournament. That's still a good score. I mean, he tied for 40th. And, like, you know, next week he might shoot 200. He might win it next week. Yeah, like, you never uh, know. Well, yeah, we have a very, very deep squad in men's golf. All right, so we had, that was golf. Up next, they have a few weeks off before returning to the links on Friday, October 27th, when they compete in the UNC Greensboro Grand Over in a collegiate that's held in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Moving Men, on. Men's soccer. Yeah. They are four. They are five, four, and one. They Earlier this week, we talked about on last week's show that they were going to face number five in the country, UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah, they're they, no, they're no, I'm sorry to cut you off. They're number seven now, but, I mean, we lost to a... On a penalty, one to nothing. Yeah, in Wake Med Soccer Park, no less. But a, a one to nothing penalty for illegally air quotes. I haven't even watched the game, but I can still complain about the ref <laughs> taking down a player inside the box, and that was scored in the 40th minute. And so the Tar Heels were able to maintain that one to nothing advantage throughout the final score of the game. A quote by Coach George Kiefer. You always have to be honest with your team, and the message to the team tonight is that I thought we were very disciplined against an excellent Carolina team. It's definitely a match that we can build from for sure. Yeah, I mean, ACC soccer is absolutely the best conference in the country. No questions asked, men's and women's. And, I mean, state three of their four losses have come to top ten teams. Top seven teams, yeah. Top uh, seven teams, Wake yeah. Forest. Wake Forest, Notre Dame, and now UNC. But, I mean, losing one to nothing on a penalty – that's still some pretty solid defense. I mean, we got um, a pretty good shot uh, from 10 yards in the 80th minute, but um, Alex Smear, the goalkeeper for Chapel Hill, made an incredible save. Um, I mean, honestly, once again, I mean, soccer's a game of inches as well. Like, you never know. That header could have gone in, and we could have won an extra minutes. But yep, yep. Yeah, and but again. They had a couple other shots in the final minutes, but they weren't able to go through, so yeah, we fell one nothing. Just the fact that we're competing um, in the ACC is... It's remarkable, really, with a winning record right now, too. Going yep. against the toughest teams right now. That was on Friday. On Tuesday, we hosted Belmont and won 3 to nothing to get that record of 5-4-1 on the season. Yeah, that's a good confidence booster. Yeah, the Wolfpack outshot the Bruins 13-1. to There you go. In that game, uh, Addy Taiwo led all players with five shots, and he was one of six NC State players to record at least one shot throughout the match. And Tanner Roberts scored, and now he leads the team with four goals on the season. David Laura scored as well, and those are the three goals for the Wolfpack. Simon Blacko picked up two assists. So the Wolfpack looked really good against Belmont. 
All three goals were scored after halftime. So this was a 0-0 game at home at halftime, and the Wolfpack came out and turned it on in the second half to score three goals and win 3 to nothing. What's interesting about our record is that we're 5-1 and one at home. Yep. And 0-3-1 um, oh and th- or oh, three and oh, one. Three and one on the road. 5-1-0 mm-hmm. and zero at home. Uh, we obviously play a lot better home. The only loss at home was to number 5 Wake Forest. But, that was the game I yeah. went to. So I'm really yeah. debating whether I should go to any more Wolfpack soccer games at home. Because yeah. I kind of had to take the L there. Nah, the only game I went to was lost. Got to support you're not a superstitious sports fan, John? Uh, I'm very superstitious, but only when it involves me. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's most sports fans. So up next, on to, Yeah, on to women's soccer. The men's play on Friday, October 6th. That's this Friday, and they travel to Syracuse, so that's a road match. We encourage you to drive up to Syracuse and watch that game. <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking. We already uh, beat them once. We can do it again. And so the women's soccer, they also fell one to nothing versus a ranked team. They played number four. Number 21, Florida State, on Friday in Tallahassee. And that dropped the Wolfpack to 8-3-1 and one on the season, 1-2-1 and one in ACC play. FSU scored in the 15th minute, and that proved to be the difference in the game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, NC State didn't play that bad, except for the one goal given up in the 15th minute. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just got to be consistent throughout the whole game and got to get better pressure on offensive end. Like, I think Florida State had a lot more possession um, but, outshot the Wolfpack ten to six. Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, the likelihood of one of your shots going in when you get ten is a lot better than than when you get six. And so. coach from a, a quote from Coach Tim Sandoval, it was a great 70 minute performance for us. We were a little sluggish in the first 20 minutes. We got behind, and against teams like that, early leads can be hard to come back from. There are some teams to clean, some things to clean up and fix tonight. But we've been pretty consistent throughout the year. We'll work on a few things and get ready to play the best team in the conference next week, which nicely transitions to we're playing Duke, number four in the country. That's tomorrow, and it's 7 p.m. That is in that is at Duke, so that's a road game at a top-four team in the nation. I think it's unreal, honestly, just how good not only the ACC is at soccer, but North Carolina schools, like the Power Four mm-hmm. schools, NC State, Wake Forest, Duke, and Carolina, absolutely incredible at men's and women's soccer. It's just... Awesome competition. I mean, you can watch that on ACC Network Extra if you get that, if you want to uh, support the pack. Um, should be a good game. I mean, we're definitely capable of taking them down, but it will be a tough game. Yeah, and also North Carolina is a hotbed for soccer talent just in general. A lot of people, a lot yeah, of kids it play soccer. Is. It actually is. Yep, so that is all the non-revenue sports. Hello. And as we promised, we are going to be talking some NC State football. Oh, yeah. So over the weekend, we hosted Louisville in a noon football Syracuse. game. Syracuse. We hosted Syracuse on a noon football game. Yes. That was very hot. I was at that game. I actually got sunburned. So Damn. that was very weird on the last day of September. But yeah, yeah. I got, got sunburned too, but I mean, I have red hair. So what do you know? Ah, man. Wow. New, like, surprise, surprise. So NC State pulled out a 33-25 to victory over the Syracuse Orange. They moved to 4-1 and on the season, which earned them a spot in the top 25 for the first time since 2010-2011 season, Russell Wilson's final season at NC State. Yeah, we're um, undefeated in the conference right now, which is hasn't happened in a while. I think 2000 was the last mm-hmm. time that we were undefeated in the conference, which is just 
pretty wild, a pretty wild stat if you think about it. Yeah, and but, one of the knocks on Dave Doran coming into the season was his not so great ACC football record. Well, he usually starts pretty slow and uh, picks up speed as we go. But um, yeah, yeah, that's was one of the knocks on Dave Doran. If we can keep it running against Louisville tomorrow night, that's mm-hmm. going to be incredible. But. That is the first uh, top 25 matchup in Carter-Finley since the year 2000 when Phillip Rivers was a freshman here right. at NC State. That was against Virginia Tech? Or, no, that was against Florida, Florida State. State. Florida State, that's right. Yeah, and we beat Florida State earlier this year, so that was pretty cool. Indeed. So, some of the stats we're looking at versus Syracuse. Uh, Ryan Finley didn't throw an interception again. again. Shocker. And yeah. uh, he has now, I did some math, very rudimentary math, trust me, and he has now thrown 272 consecutive passes since his last interception, which, of course, leads the nation. And that gets him a little bit closer to Russell Wilson's school record of 379. And there was a uh, the NCAA record was set back in 2012 by a Louisiana Tech quarterback at like 444. Right, right. So we're a good four games away before he breaks the NCAA tournament record. But Tournament. The NCAA football record. Yeah, yeah. I said that wrong. So versus uh, versus Syracuse, uh, we held the ball for 37 minutes. I like seeing that. We were able to run the ball. We had uh, 256 rushing yards to Syracuse's 59. Yeah, I mean, we ran the ball really well, and our run defense was pretty solid throughout most of the day. I mean, Bradley Chubb had a couple tackles for loss and some sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, he got Defensive Player of the Week. Surprise, um, surprise. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's going to be a top five pick, if not a first rounder, but enough of that. But um, yeah, our rushing game was really good, and our rushing defense was solid as well. A couple of other good things was only six penalties for 49 yards, so Mm -hmm. NC State was really disciplined. Uh, They did not have a turnover, which was also amazing, considering that was the, the bane of our existence versus South Carolina, and the only loss of the year thus far. So we won the turnover battle one to nothing. Yeah. Uh, fin- of course, you're not going to have as many turnovers when your quarterback doesn't throw interceptions like our quarterback does. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, Finley was 21 for 34, so not up to his standard of. I mean, he only threw one touchdown. Not up to his standard of uh, typical prolific passing, but I mean, it was efficient. He he did what he needed to do. Made a exactly. pretty spectacular one-handed catch. On a trick play. For a quarterback, that was spectacular. It was a really soft throw. But I was really excited when that happened. I don't think it matters. One open field, one-handed catch, it was sweet. I mean, I don't know. I think the fans really love Ryan Finley, and I think that's going to... Um, I mean, that helps us play well at home. Yeah, and you talked yeah. about uh, only one touchdown and not his ideal completion percentage. Well, he didn't force it in the red zone. I exactly. mean, our running game was going, so... 47 you know, we, we rushing attempts. 47 rushing attempts, average over five yards a carry. There's absolutely no reason to force the passing game. Daniel, you have some thoughts. Uh, Yeah, I actually just want to throw a couple stats your way. Uh, Finley's actually uh, has the lowest percentage of interceptions throwing in NC State history. Obviously, that is still continuing. But he's currently sitting at 1.34% interceptions per attempt. He has eight interceptions in his Wolfpack career on 594 attempts. Uh, second is Jacoby Brissett with 11 on 765, sitting at 1.44%. That's an incredible stat because, I mean, Mariota, Marcus Mariota has the NCAA record at 1.2%. And that's, I mean, wow. that, that's incredibly efficient. But does he Finley, Finley might have a shot at that. that. No, no. Mariota played four years. and Well, 
I'm just saying, if Finley, what if he goes all year without throwing an interception? He might have a shot at it. He would definitely have a shot at it, but I mean, I see that highly unlikely considering the season that Mariota had his senior year. But I mean, just to see him compared to that, uh, like caliber player and mm-hmm. like those high analytic statistics like that, it's pretty awesome. Speaking of chasing history, um, you know our wonderful senior defensive end Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the last name on the back of his jersey is uh, Chubb, but on the front of his jersey, what's the front first name? Well, excuse me, the last name on that. I uh, and like you're talking about the front of his jersey. Yeah, the front of his jersey. Does it say? I feel like it says NC State. Is this it a does say trick NC question? State? But there is but there is a little oval plaque on there. It says Mario Williams. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, because, he, he because gets the, uh, the number nine is an honor jersey at NC State. Oh, uh, I didn't might, know that. They I didn't might know need that. to change that around this year because Mr. Chubb is chasing some uh, his some school history, uh, trying to pr- surpass Mario Williams. He is currently second in uh, tackles for loss and in uh, sacks. Oh, excuse me, not in sacks, but he's second in uh, tackles for loss with forty six. Uh, Mario Williams' mark is fifty five point five, but. Uh, Bradley Chubb currently sits at 21 and a half sacks for his career. Uh, Mario Williams, only 25 and a half. Really? Tw- only 25 and I would have thought a higher number for uh, Mario Williams. Does oh, Mario Williams have the school record? He has the school record. Yeah. He was mostly drafted on potential, though, because he was the number one pick. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember he had an incredible, um, I don't think it was his senior year, was it? But yeah, Probably. He, yeah, yeah. It, it was his senior year. He had a pretty incredible senior year, and um, the Texans were like, yeah, give me that. <laughs> I mean, he's had a decent career. Oh, in the yeah, NFL. he did have a decent career. Yeah. I mean, he's still, he's still playing, not had a decent career. Oh, you're talking about at State. Well, in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I was saying. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, gotcha. I, was, I was saying NC State, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that really shows, uh, that's really a testament to Bradley Chubb's ability. Like, obviously, he had a very strong performance against Syracuse, garnering him a second straight ACC Defensive Lineman mm-hmm. of the Week. Right. Mm-hmm. And he... uh of some stats I didn't like to see versus uh, Syracuse. We were uh, 3 of 12 on third down. That's really has to change versus Louisville tonight, yeah, tomorrow night. The only thing that worried me about this game were was the um, the amount of passing yards that we gave up. Uh, we gave up 385 passing yards on uh, about like 64% completion. Um, only caught one interception. Um, honestly, that and our field goal kicking, which, I mean— I like missed Carson another Wise. extra point. We missed another extra point and missed a field goal, which I mean, in a low stakes game like that, is not going to matter. I mean, um, Syracuse did come back in the second half, but I mean, we knew that NC State was going to win the whole time. Wise much. did make a forty eight yarder. Yeah, with the yeah. Wind at his back. Absolutely. Yeah, I have confidence in Carson Wise. I just think um, you know you got to be consistent. Got to be consistent. So I'm going to look for him to hit some big field goals tomorrow night, and I'm I think he's going to make them. I really do. Something notice uh, a notable that I uh, noticed. Uh, for the game was that uh, Mike Stevens returned at cornerback for NC State, and he played more snaps on defense than anyone else last year. He is a shutdown corner for us, and we really missed him in games like the Marshall game. But he was on a snap count. He was kind of alternating series, and he was mostly playing zone when he was on the field. Yeah, I think they were saving him a lot for this Thursday game because they knew that we were going to need him against uh, Lamar Jackson and that awesome receiving core. Yeah, what I didn't like was the fact that he only stayed on one side of the field, and what uh, Syracuse would do is they take their fullback, who I think is a defensive tackle, he looks like one, and they just bring him out wide, and then he would end up matched up with our best cover corner, Stevens, and essentially just taking Stevens out of the play. I wish we would have adjusted that's, to that. That's just the price you have to pay to 
playing in his own defense, though. I mean, yeah. it's just you know, you know, there's there's positives and minus, uh, pluses and minus to man to man defense and zone defense. So if you run zone, that's something you're gonna have to deal with. But at the same time, that's one less like true threat receiver that you have on the outside. That's true, but I really hope that we uh, utilize Stevens better. And you bring up an excellent point in saving him for this Thursday night game yes. versus a much better Syracuse team. Hopefully, he will continue. Louisville, to, Louisville. much better Louisville team. Man, man, alrighty. A much better Louisville team. I will say, though, that this game against Syracuse uh, is probably the best preparation that a state could get for preparing for someone or a system like Louisville and a person like Lamar Jackson, obviously. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Mm. yeah. Uh, Obviously, um, Lamar Jackson is his own beast. We'll get to him in a second. But the system that uh, Syracuse runs on its offense it's very similar to what Louisville does, but yeah, and also Syracuse is—they're a power five, conf- a power five program, so they're not good, but they're still power five. So you're pl- you're facing a decent team, but not enough to really challenge you. So, like yeah, I said, it was a good they, tune-up game. Yeah, I mean, they have a mobile quarterback just like Louisville, and they don't really go under center that much. So if they do run it with a back, it's off a read option or something like that. So I think Daniel's right; it was a good tune-up for Louisville. Which mm-hmm. I mean, both ranked teams. I think. Honestly, this is one of the biggest games in school history as of right now. Yep. If we win, I think it could be um, definitely top three in NC State's school history for wins. Um, National television, you know, beating the Heisman uh, Trophy winner at home. Which UNC didn't do. Oh, yeah, yeah. UNC UNC hasn't done a lot this season. I just want a special shout out. They're one in four. UNC's going down and we're going up. And I I think it's going to stay that way, especially this year. I don't know if Larry Fedora is going to be the coach next year. Not but. at one and four. Mm. Ooh, that I just saw that that wasn't really great. <laughs> I will come to UNC's defense just a little bit. Don't get don't, out, Daniel. Don't, get out. Yeah, don't, don't do it. Don't hold it against me. But uh, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, the Tar Heels do have like a substantial amount of season-ending injuries. You can't exactly coach around that. Obviously, you have to do the best that you can to adjust for those. But when you've got guys like, you know, Austin Prohl, who is one of the bigger names returning on the offense this year. He's um, out? He's out for the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I want to say the last count that I saw was 13 uh, season-ending injuries, and it might have actually grown since uh, the last game. But when you've got that, there's only so much you can – Obviously, like this is a coaching problem. I like Fedora as a coach. I hope I don't hope he gets fired. Oh yeah, no, I I don't mind Larry Fedora. I was just thinking, like, um, you know, the boosters may not look at those injuries in the same way, and they might just say, "Hey, we're one in four. Get us to six wins. You know, let's get to a bowl." Which is uh, honestly going to be difficult to do. Um, I mean, I don't want to talk too much smack on UNC because we play them at home, and if we lose to them at home, that's going to be. Pretty embarrassing, and it would be a pretty NC State thing to do. So. Yeah, well, considering how bad they are, it would be really embarrassing to lose at home. And it would be an NC State thing to do. So <laughs> I can't emphasize enough how bad they are right now. We're just going to hit them while they're down. So coming up versus Louisville, I finally got that right. I'm proud of myself. We're doing a blackout. It's Thursday night. It's ESPN. It's primetime television. Yeah, uh, we're black. If you're going to the game, we're gonna. That's not an official thing, but I mean, Dave Doran endorsed it. Uh, Kevin Keats retweeted it on Twitter. We're black to the game. Everybody, everybody's gonna be doing it. You're gonna stick out like a sore thumb if you wear red or white. So we're black. I've had a couple people. Also, tell me. also, it's a full moon tomorrow night. Oh so, wait, so wolves in wolf full moon pack in the full moon. 
That's you know what it be. is. You already know. So what what are some matchups you're looking at versus Louisville coming up on Thursday? Something we can capitalize on. Well, the biggest thing I think is our defensive line. And I mean, you may look at Lamar Jackson and he's incredibly fast. He's an awesome runner. He's great at escaping from the pocket. He's really like a combination of Russell Wilson and RG3. In like RG3 mm-hmm. in his prime. Like he's got the speed of RG3 and the body of RG3, but he has the escapability of Russell Wilson and the arm of Russell Wilson. So I'm really looking for our defensive line to contain him in the pocket, but also not make the pocket so big that he can um, just run right through the line and run all over our defense. Yeah, uh, Jackson is kind of like Cam Newton in that. When he doesn't set his feet, he gets lazy with his mechanics, and that's when his accuracy wanes. So if you can really condense that pocket and make it so he can't... Just don't give him time in the pocket. Exactly. That's versus any quarterback. That would be ideal. Have a quarterback spy. Keep him under... Yeah, Arias Moore is an amazing linebacker for NC State. He should be able to handle that. About to say, the main thing that State does need to do, uh, and this is going to be really simplistic, but I've just got three words. Make him throw. Lamar Jackson is seems to be more of a threat with his legs than with his arm. And... The the uh, rush that State provides with Chubb, uh, Just, Justin Jones, B.J. Hill, Kentavious Street, Darian Roseboro, I think that's enough to uh, contain the running game. And if you make him throw, that's going to create more opportunities for your secondary. So what do you guys, what are you thinking, John? A w? Score prediction? Um, yeah, I mean, I got to go with the W. Why not? We're playing good right now. We're ranked. Uh, full moon. Uh, doesn't hurt, obviously. Wolfpack. But... Um, I think we get the the win thirty one to twenty seven. You you better write that down. I'm going to hold you to that. Thirty one to twenty seven. Daniel, what about you? No, don't hold me to that. Just enjoy the I'm game. Going, I'm going to uh, predict a W as well. I'm going to call it a little bit closer. I'm going to say it's thirty five thirty two. That's going to be a, either way. It shapes up to be a really good game on national TV. Oh yeah. I'm not going to do a prediction because I'm really really bad at predictions. Of course, except when I'm behind the mic. Predict them to win. I predict pre- Louisville to win. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that Louisville will win this football game, and Lamar Jackson will be eight absolutely touchdowns. <laughs> eight touchdowns. We'll say eight yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. I'm still really excited for I I'm going home because it's my mom's birthday, so otherwise I would be at this game uh, full-on heckling Lamar Jackson. All right. For, as, what, as this game pertains to uh, the Dave Doran error, uh, a story from WWE happens to come to mind, a story of a wrestler named Daniel Bryan. I know some of you out there – might be thinking, oh, WWE, it's so fake. Uh, but WWE does tell some really good stories, and I think Daniel Bryan's story is one of a, is a very fantastic one. He was uh, one of the, at one point, he was one of the more up-and-coming ones trying to challenge for a heavyweight title, but he just felt so much opposition from uh, Triple H and the establishment that was uh, seemingly holding him down. So what he ended up doing was essentially uh, shutting down an entire episode of Raw with his fan base and demanding that Triple H fight him at WrestleMania. Uh, and the winner of that match would later fight uh, the championship match between uh, Randy Orton and Dave Batista. And, and obviously, well, what ended up happening is at WrestleMania, Triple H ended up hurting Daniel Bryan's arm, but Daniel Bryan came away with a win. And then later on that night, as the main event, uh, immediately succeeding The Undertaker losing his uh, undefeated streak at uh, WrestleMania to Brock Lesnar. The main event that night saw Daniel Bryan forcing Batista to tap out to win the championship. 
To compare this to NC State football, obviously I'm putting the Wolfpack in the Daniel Bryan position. And I feel that this match right now, this uh, game against Louisville, this is their Triple H match. They need to prove that what they've built up to at this point is not just hype. It's not just uh, camaraderie surrounding everything. They just need to prove out there they could get a big-time national win and I think the the best time to do that is under the lights at Carter Finley Stadium. That's what Dave Doran was kind of talking about. Uh, WRL sports fan has him quoted as uh, when he he's talking about NC State being ranked. It's good recognition for our program, and it's well deserved. But it's still early in the season, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of football left after Week 12. If we're in the top 25, then I'll be really excited. Uh, he says we're going to focus more on what we need to do to stay there, which of course would beating Louisville on a national stage. Would not hurt, like Daniel said. That could be our that's our our proving game, you know, to show that we really belong. Because I mean, Florida State was kind of our proving game, but then again, they barely beat Wake Forest last week. Well, so, Wake Forest was four now going into that game. Wake Forest, yeah, is really I mean, good yeah, no, no disrespect to Wake Forest, they're a solid a solid team. But I mean, I'm really looking for I'm really looking for us to beat Louisville tomorrow night. I'm really excited. I hope we so do excited. as well. But speaking of a proving game. Oh my that goodness. Last Sunday, yes. last Sunday, the Panthers went to New England. Cam Newton had one of the worst games of his career versus a historically terrible New Orleans Saints defense. The Panthers were 2 and 1, but everything was looking doom and gloom. Everything felt like we were 0 and 3. It really did. It, it really did, and I just I don't know, it was hard to step back and say, you know, we're 2 and 1. We we need a, a all we need is just a couple good games and we'll be right back on track. Even I, one of the most optimistic Panthers fans that I know, was That's an not understatement. <laughs> were, was not feeling optimistic going into New England. And Cam Newton was absolutely on fire. He was amazing and on point. He threw one interception, which I contend was Demir Bird's fault for stopping on the route, although it was in double coverage. Uh, that I will say that he did force that throw. Um, Devin Funches was kind of left wide open yep. by the first down marker, but. He came right after that and completed 11 straight passes. Yeah, so, and he finished with a really good completion percentage, especially considered Cam Newton's like a career 55% yeah. completion percentage 22 guy. 22 for 29, had 300 yards, uh, 316 actually, three touchdowns, and of course one on the ground. That was vintage Cam Newton. Vintage Cam Newton. I was oh, really man. excited to see that. I liked what our pass rush did versus Tom Brady. Uh, Julius Peppers was named, uh, I think, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. I yeah, think he had, he had a couple two and sacks. a half sacks. Two and a half sacks. Two and a half. When, when Julius Peppers sacks Tom Brady, their combined age is 77. Put that in perspective. The combined age of Julius Peppers and Tom Brady is 77, and Julius Peppers sacked him two and a half times. I don't want to do that amount of math, but that's very, very old. Wild. <laughs> that's that, the age of four rookies put together. Wow. <laughs> Julius Peppers is having a great year for Carolina on track to have a Pro Bowl season. Probably the best year since he left Carolina. Yeah, honestly. I mean, and it's incredible because he's coming off the bench to do it. Like, if mm-hmm. you watch um, the rotations that we're doing, he's coming in on third down. He's really, we're giving him that rest so that he can get that pressure on third down and just. Comes I mean, in on field goal blocking as well. the offensive line. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm the one of the sacks in the first half. He um, grabbed Brady with one hand while his entire shoulder was getting held, which, of course, wasn't called. But um, I mean, holding doesn't get called like 80% of the time. Yeah, Yeah. holding doesn't get called 80% of the time. But still, it was just vintage Julius Peppers. It was good to see. Good to see. 
Yeah, and the defense played well enough. Tom Brady, I mean, when we were up two touchdowns, I knew he was going to come yeah, back. Yeah, they came back in the Super Bowl. I mean, why couldn't they come back against us? But the best part about this game to me was the field goal. I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's when we won. But Graham Gano, um, he has a past of being decidedly unclutch. Honestly, no, I disagree. He had one bad season last year. I think he only missed uh, three kicks in the the true clutch where they were like game winner, game tire, or with two minutes left. That's a lot of kicks to miss in those situations, though. Yeah, it is for one season. But the season before, he had a good year, hit some game winners, uh, one particular one against the Colts. But this is a good confidence booster for him as his um, his competition got uh, signed by Kansas City, actually. Yeah. And he also hit a game-winning kick on Monday Night Football. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Panthers, there was a reason they didn't cut Harrison uh, Butker until exactly after. they yeah. traded him yeah i mean Gano's just more experienced he's been with the team longer it was good to see him hit one of the kick. biggest legs in the nfl i think he's only had one kick that wasn't a touchback all season so oh yeah for kickoffs no doubt it was nice to see the panthers come back on that final drive tied at 30 30 and they had a little over three minutes and cam newton marched the team down the field looked like it was over there for a second but the panthers got a couple of assists is what i'll say from the officiating which is not well. They made the usual. right call. Yeah, they made the right call. If you look at the film, um, clearly Gilmore pushed uh, Devin Funches' head back. I mean, you can twice. see that, ha- that happened twice yeah, throughout the game. It happened twice. You can see his head snap back, and then you can see Tom Brady complaining about the calls in the postgame show. Great so, transition. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not ever going to complain about the officiating. Like I said, that holding wasn't called, but then again, holding doesn't get called when it comes down to it. On like the last drive of the game, if you commit a penalty, it's going to get called. It's not whether or not they get more penalties. It's whether or not their penalties get called. Well, we, they committed more penalties. You mentioned Brady complaining, and this is a quote from Brady. Yeah, I mean, they called it pretty tight on us. I've watched the film a bunch of times. We didn't get the calls. I guess they got the calls, and we didn't get them. I don't know what to say. I'm not going to say anything about Brady and complaining about the officials because he's won five Super Bowls. All I'm going to say is that if you look at the film, they were the right calls. And in particular, there was one pass interference called against us that was really not that good of a call. It was the only penalty against the Panthers, I think, for the None entire did, game. Yeah. Oh, was it really? Yeah, this one penalty for 33 wow. yards. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible discipline, honestly. But uh, I remember one specific fourth down conversion that the Patriots got where they clearly had a false start that wasn't oh, yeah. called. I saw at number 61, the right tackle. He jumped a couple times, and it wasn't called. So I'm not I'm not buying what Brady says, I mean, honestly. Well, honestly, he would have. it would have been five yards, and he would have got the touchdown again anyway. Yeah, confirma- confirmation bias. You see what you want to believe. Yeah, and Brady, I don't know. I'm disappointed to see an athlete of that stature in the greatest quarterback of all time complaining about refs, which is what fans do. What do you think was the biggest factor on Sunday other than uh, – Penalties and Cam Newton's play. I think it's the offensive line okay. directly leading to Cam Newton's play. Okay. He had, he, I don't think he was sacked. And if he was, it wasn't a huge part of he the game. He was barely pressured, honestly. He had an extremely clean pocket. And that's what you see with Cam Newton for his whole career. When he has a clean pocket and he can like go through his progressions with his feet. He can light it up. Yeah. He can just plant that front foot and just zip the ball better than any quarterback down the middle in the NFL. Probably that I've ever seen. He had a... He had quite a few drops. He had at least three drops that should have been caught, including an absolute dime to Devin Funches, put it on right on his hands down the sideline on a free play, which I was also encouraged to see Cam Newton doing taking advantage of a free play, something that we don't always see and Aaron Rodgers is known for. Yeah. 
Don't give Funches too much about that, though. Oh, what no. an incredible game. Funches oh, was goodness. amazing. That's his coming out party, man. I'm so excited for Funches. And I got a question for you. Do you think that this game will be like a sort of turning point and that from here on out, uh, the Panthers will make a very strong push against the Falcons for the NFC South title? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is not a blip on the radar. Yeah, we got the Lions next week, I think. The um, Eagles after that. The Eagles after that. If we go one and one in those two games, I mean, we're still going to be four and two. The Falcons likely will be four and one because they do have a bye this week. But, um, Falcons just lost to the Bills, who we beat. Yeah, but the Bills are a solid squad, which makes me feel better about our win. But, um, yeah, I really think it is going to be a turning point because, um, I mean, obviously the Patriots don't have a good defense. But there's a different—the game is not just analytics. It's also confidence. It's also rhythm. It's also momentum. Mm -hmm. It's also putting the ball where it needs to be, and Cam Newton was— That's what he did. He was Cam Newton of 2015, how accurate he was with the ball— yeah. And something Ron Rivera talked about going into the game, which got talked about more after the game, was that Cam Newton had a full week of practice where he was like 100% all signs go, and that was the first time this season. And it showed on Sunday. Exactly. And it actually, uh, you mentioned defense. Uh, actually, remember, rhy- excuse me, reminds me of something that I read uh, prior to the game. Uh, obviously, uh, two games ago, uh, New Orleans was the number 32 defense in the country. Heading into last week's game, New England was the number 32 defense in the country. I yeah. actually saw that. Yeah, I mean, again, what I say, like, uh, the game's not just numbers. Like, I, I we just didn't have a rhythm on the Sunday against the Saints. And, and New Orleans shut out uh, Miami over in London. So the New Orleans defense... Poor Jay Cutler, man. I mean, he doesn't give any effort, but I still want him to succeed. I don't... I don't... <laughs> I just don't like the non-effort, that's all. That one play where he was on wide receiver, I'm sure you've seen it. I mean, Jay Cutler smoked a cigarette on the sideline of the NFC Championship game and then went out with a sprained thumb. So I think that's all you need to know about Jay Cutler. Wow. All right. I love him, though. I love him. So uh, injury news for the Panthers. Uh, Kurt Coleman was out. He sprained his MCL, so he's going to be out for a few weeks. So we signed uh, former Pro Bowl safety Jarius Bird, and uh, Ryan Khalil is still out. Greg Olson, obviously, is still out. And uh, so that was pretty encouraging to see Cam Newton play that well without one of his favorite targets, Greg Olson. And we're not going to have him for a while. Yeah. But Dixon showed that he's a very capable backup tight end and can definitely be a Absolutely. very important cog in this offense. He's a good blocker, too, on that touchdown to Fozzie Whitaker. I mean, Dixon was just as open. Um, he could mm-hmm. have ha- had an easy, even easier touchdown, but the play was designed to go to Fozzie. I mean, and he like he really uh, cleared the way for Fozzie to get into the end zone, yeah. which was that was an exciting play. But, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Dixon played well. Tyler Larson played well, uh, mm-hmm. subbing in for Ryan Khalil. Continuing with the offensive line, I mean, Matt Khalil, Ryan, Ryan's brother, played well as well, honestly. Yeah, he, that was yeah. his best game of the season by far. Again, the Patriots got Showing almost— Showing that he's worth his paycheck. He, they almost got no rush at all, and I know reminds me how they traded Chandler Jones before the season, so maybe we're questioning mm. Bill Belichick a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> he's going to absolutely murder the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday Night I Football. I sure hope so. Which is a nice transition into our NFL picks. So last week I was two and zero. Oh. Gonna pat myself on the back. Last right week I was one and one. That's so okay. now we're even on the we season. We are even five and three. So five after this three. week, when I go two and zero, oh, and sure. then you go zero oh and two, sure, I'll be seven and three. Pride comes before a fall. You quote Bible verses on here, man. This is NFL that's football. Just, that's just a saying, man. <laughs> All right. So my upset of the week is the Jacksonville Jaguars will defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why? Because Jacksonville has a really, really, really good defense, and Blake Bortles has. 
played <laughs> not like Blake Bortles normally plays. Okay. Also, he's the undefeated Steelers, in London. Yeah. He's the, also undefeated on eight of nine planets in our solar system. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the uh, Blake Bortles statistics <laughs> That's the Twitter account? That's the absolute best. That is the absolute best. The one with Tom, him and Tom Brady, what they combined for Super yeah. Bowls and playoff wins. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the Jaguars beat the Steelers. I'm going to disagree with you, though. I don't see it happening, honestly. Le'Veon Bell had over 100 yards and two touchdowns last week. I really think um, with the defense keying in on him, it's going to free up the secondary for Martavis Bryant, Antonio Brown, of course. Maybe Antonio Brown be won't game. be so upset on the sideline. Oh, yeah, that was that was pretty embarrassing. But So uh, what's your upset of the week? Uh, I like the Rams over the Seahawks. And honestly, um, odds-wise, it's certainly going to be an upset, but I think the Rams are a better team. They have a better offense. They have... A good enough defense. I mean, they went into Dallas and won on the road. Yeah, that was pretty good And game. they absolutely killed them in the second half. I mean, they held them to eight points. Dallas had 24 at halftime. Dallas was a little overrated. You knew they were going to drop off from yeah, what think, they were last season. I think Dallas season. was a little overrated, but the Rams were certainly underrated. Um, no one really They have the number one offense in the league right now. Yeah, scoring as well. They have Yeah, scoring and yardage. And the number one running back in the league as of right now, Todd Gurley. Absolutely. I mean, he's putting up wide receiver numbers and running back numbers at the same time. That's going to be Christian McCaffrey in like I sure one hope year. So. Sure hope so. So what is your lock of the week? This game you absolutely guarantee will result in a W. Uh, the Eagles over the Cardinals. I really wow, think interesting. Yeah, the Eagles are playing really well right now. Carson Wentz is looking like, uh, I think, I mean, I, I love Jared Goff and Dak Prescott, but I really think Carson Wentz is the best quarterback out of that draft class. He's looking solid. Uh, the the Sproles injury is going to hurt him, but I just don't think Arizona is strong enough to beat him. How about you? What's your lock? Well, my lock of the week is the New England Patriots beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I, don't, I don't doubt it. Don't the doubt it. Patriots are not going to lose two consecutive games. They lost, and then they absolutely just smoked New Orleans, and the New Orleans beat us. Patriots are going to just annihilate the Bucs on Thursday night football. Yeah. Speaking of the Patriots, uh, Cam Newton got his 50th rushing touchdown of his career against the Patriots, which, of course, is the answer to our trivia question. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Cam Newton is the all-time NFL leading quarterback in rushing touchdowns, and he has six more, actually, no, seven more than the previous leader, Steve Young. Um, And, I mean, he's only seven years. This is only his seventh career year, so um, I don't know if his record will ever be touched. If it will be, it won't be by a quarterback in this league. It might be right Deshaun now. Watson or Marcus Mariota or someone of that stature. We'll see. We'll see. He also passed Jake DeLone for the winningest quarterback in Panthers history. Yeah. And Jonathan Stewart is now the leading rusher in Panthers history. A lot of milestones. Yeah. Uh, moving, on, a, moving on to fantasy, though, because uh, we're running out of time here. Um, who's your must-start and must-sit really quickly? My uh, must-start of the week is Chris Hogan, the Patriots receiver versus the Bucks. He's okay. uh, Tom Brady's favorite guy right now, in my opinion. And your must-sit? My must-sit is Ben Roethlisberger versus the Jaguars defense. They've only allowed six points a game to quarterbacks throughout the season, so I'm going to say sit Ben Roethlisberger. Fair enough. What about you? Uh, my must-start is LaShawn McCoy going up against a Bengals defense that until they played the Browns, has given up a lot of points to running backs and a lot not-so-good running backs, honestly. I mean, Lamar Miller, I like him, but he's not a superstar. And they gave up a lot of points to Terrence West and Javorius Allen against the uh, the Ravens in Week 1. So I'm looking for LaShawn McCoy to have a big day. My must-sit is I have two, Amari, Crab- Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, both of the Raiders receivers. 
Derek Carr is going to be out. Um, I really just don't like EJ Manuel as a quarterback. I don't think he's good. He's, he's not good at all. He's not as good as Colin Kaepernick. Who are they playing again? <laughs> Uh, I, I don't think it really matters, but I'm going to check. Uh, they're playing the Ravens, and the Ravens have a solid secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not looking for them to get anything. They weren't getting anything the past two weeks, even when Derek Carr was playing. So Yeah. Well, yeah. special shout-out to you. You uh, picked Lamar Miller out of nowhere to be that your must-start of the week, and he true. had 30 fantasy points-ish, depending on what league you play in. I appreciate that. The Texans went off in general, though. I mean, Deshaun Watson, absolutely yeah, incredible. I, and also the defense scoring touchdown. I didn't anticipate that. I was, I'm was i really high on the Titans. Yeah. So moving on, the NBA preseason started. Oh, uh, yeah. The Charlotte Hornets. I'm a huge Hornets fan. I know you're a huge Hornets fan. Absolutely. And they uh, went up in Boston and played the Celtics in the preseason. It doesn't really matter what happened with the score, but I know you watched that game. So what did you see from the Hornets that you really liked? Um, honestly, I didn't like that much. because We were pretty rusty. Uh, our starters didn't really play well. And Jeremy Lamb was the leading scorer for us with 17 points, which was a bright spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Malik Monk played his first game, uh, had five points on two-for-eight shooting, Honestly, um, he's going to be better. Yeah, he's going to be fine. His first uh, shot, or I mean, his first make was a step back three on a fast break. So I'm looking for him to just push the tempo and get those threes when we need them. He's incredibly athletic. Um, I think within the next five years, he's going to develop really well with Kemba Walker. Um, The thing I didn't like was starting Michael K. Gilchrist over Malik Monk. And I understand why we did that because uh, Malik Monk's a rookie and MKG is awesome on defense. But offensively, I think it's just it. It would be really nice to have Kemba and Monk in the backcourt with Batum taking over his small forward role that he had during his one All Star year with Portland. What did you think of uh, Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard looked a little rusty to me, and I mean, if you just look at the box score, he's he looked pretty solid. Had about uh, almost ten rebounds, a block shot, uh, not too many points. He didn't shoot that much, but he looked a little slow. He looked a little. Um, like not lazy, but just kind of lethargic on the pick and roll. Classic Dwight. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too big of a Dwight hater, but I mean, I'm gonna look for him to pick it up as the season starts for sure. I'm really looking for uh, the Hornets season. Looking forward to it starting. Hashtag Buzz City. Buzz City, baby. But the MLB playoffs are oh, wait, starting. One, one more thing about oh, the more. NBA preseason. Uh, the Rockets and the Thunder played, which of course the Rockets added Chris Paul and the Thunder added Carmelo Anthony, Paul George. Uh, mm-hmm. They played without Russell just to give him a break. I mean, he had he had the most the highest usage rate in NBA history last year. It looked like a lot of isolation ball, but honestly, I think the Thunder are going to be fine. And the Rockets made twenty four threes. Yeah, part of the great migration of the talent from the East going to the West. Yeah, pretty which much. Which they changed the East West All Star game. That's not how it's going to be anymore. They're making it where captains because they knew the I West. I like that. Yeah, honestly. I like it as no, well. No, no, no. They're still going to pick from the East and the West. They're just not going to play on those teams. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. there's still going to be 12 from the West and 12 from the East. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, it will make for a good game, and I'm excited right. to see that. But the MLB playoffs are starting. Right. Uh, yeah, the Yankees beat the Twins last night in the wild card game in the in the American League. Uh, tonight, the Rockies play the Diamondbacks in the National League wild card game, which, of course, is a one-game series. Really exciting. Um, if you get a chance to watch it, I'd highly encourage it. Uh, the Cubs play the Nationals in the... NL um, DS, the Dodgers are going to play the winner of the Diamondbacks and Rockies game. The Red Sox and the Astros have a five-game series getting started soon, and the Indians are going to take on the Yankees. Who wins it? 
The World Series? The whole thing. Um, I really like the Dodgers right now, and I also like the Astros. So who wins it, though? I'm going to go with the Dodgers. Okay, all right. I just need to get a prediction. I'd love for my Cubs to win, but Dodgers. What do you, What about you, Daniel? I'm going to uh, go and pull a little bit of a homer thing with uh, pulling for the Nationals because National shortstop is NC State's very own Trey, Trey Turner. Turner. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's Trey Turner. True. I don't watch baseball because I don't get cable, but mm. if I did watch baseball, I would love to watch Trey Turner because he's really good shortstop for the Washington Nationals out of North Carolina State. Daniel, I appreciate you sitting in on the show today. Of course. John? It's been a pleasure as always. Always is. We are going to be back and better than ever next week at 5 o'clock live, the same station, Packers Life Sports.